Football Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Italian Football Podcast. I'm Carlo Garganese here as always with Nima Tavali. And the last few days in the Mercato have been absolutely crazy, even by Italian standards. Um, we could do probably a whole show alone on the Romelu Lukaku soap opera. Um, a furious Inter pulling out of negotiations because Lukaku was negotiating with Juventus behind their backs. He went AWOL and Lukaku now looks set to probably join Juventus in what would be one of the biggest shot transfers I, I can ever remember. There's, there's so much to discuss about this. Um, and if that wasn't enough, Juan Cuadrado is joining Inter after so many years at Juve. Um, so it just gets crazier and crazier. And Juve have frozen Leonardo Bonucci out of the squad. squad so what does that mean for his future? Um, Juventus are also in talks to sign Frank Kessier. So there's lots to talk about on today's show with Juve. Milan will complete the signing of Tijani Reinders from AZ. We have some insight on what to expect from him. Fiorentina have made one of the signings of the summer in Fabiano Parisi for just 11 million euros. It's crazy, though. Uh, Roma are battling between signing Maratta, Alvaro Maratta, and Gianluca Schermacca. Uh, and finally, away from the Mercato, we will celebrate Italy under-19s winning the European Championship on Sunday, um, Italy finally win a final this season after so many defeats at the very final hurdle. So lots to talk about. And for all our first-time listeners, this is our free weekly episode, which we do every Monday, reviewing the weekend Serie A action and all the biggest talking points in Italian football. If you want to support the Italian Football Podcast and receive all our content that we do throughout the week, including our weekly Q&A episode every Tuesday, where we answer all the questions sent in from our Patreons, plus the weekly Thursday midweek review show, plus interviews, post-match reaction, and much, much more. Then go to patreon.com slash TIFP and become a subscriber for just $2.99 a month, plus VAT. For all of you that listen on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, um, we'd really appreciate giving us a five-star rating. Give us a follow. Give us a subscription. Um, we're on YouTube as well. It really helps to um, help us grow. Okay, let's start off then with Romelu Lukaku. Okay, right. Uh, there's so much to talk about here with Lukaku, so we'll try and split it up into different sections. Um, first of all, just to, to summarise the situation, Inter have ended negotiations with Chelsea um, over the weekend um, after Lukaku and his lawyer failed to reply to phone calls from club directors, uh, Inter club directors, um, on on Friday, and that suggested that well, did he actually still want to return to to Inter? Um, very very bizarre because it seemed like this was going to happen. Uh, it now looks like Lukaku is on his way to Juventus. Juventus have uh, a verbal offer of forty million uh, euros, including add-ons. Um, but they will only make their move once Dusan Vlaovic is sold. PSG are, are set to make an official bid for Vlaovic probably this week. Um, so that's the situation. Um, let's start, Nima, first of all, though, with the Inter side of things and the Lukaku side of things, because they, they are connected. Mm. How much is it a shock, um, Lukaku's behaviour here? Because it Is seemed... it really a shock? Is well, it maybe it's not. You can answer that, but... Just to finish the question, because it seemed as if Lukaku wanted Inter. Um, the negotiations were ongoing. Um, 
it seemed like he wanted Inter and only Inter. So why, why this behaviour? Why, why this sudden turnaround? Well, that's exactly it. That this is classic Romelu Lukaku. If you look at his career, he is not. He does not handle his relationships very well. He's absolutely hated by Everton. He's hated by Manchester United. Chelsea fans would like to put him in a catapult and send him to the moon. Um, not uh, Inter, he's completely nuked his bridges with Inter. Um, and he now he's going to a club where the fans racially abused him six months ago, less than six months ago. So they're not, they don't want him. Um, he's not a very, he's not very good at playing in building relationships that last. Anderlecht and West Brom are probably the only clubs where he hasn't screwed the, the club and the fan bases over. So it's 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 I'd say it's par for the course with Romelu Lukaku. He seems like a very very per, like a person who's so easily uh, influenced by whoever he's close to that particular day. Mm. Uh, it's like you could I think I actually think a you know a broomstick could probably do a Jedi mind trick on him. <laughs> I mean, it's just he he just by like he, he's so easily distracted. Mm. Um, you know, he was angry at Pastorello for allegedly, you know, getting him to Chelsea. And now he's got Sebastian Ledour, who's his lawyer, who, you know, he seems to be the one that has wants to get him to, to Juve uh, because he's going to earn more money at Juve. He's going to be paid 11 million net per year. At Inter, he would have to go down to six. So what is the um, motive then? You, you, do, so I, you, you I, think it's money then? You think no, it's I think it's salary? money. I think it's money. And I think it's got to do with the fact that he didn't start the Champions League final. Yeah, because um, because just to stop you there on the money thing, we've got to remember he took he took a cut, didn't he, to to, to join Inter, right? Yeah, and he was going to sign, to, he's going to and go was, down to six, six yeah. million, six, six and a half million, which was... So he made sacrifices in order to return to Inter. So it yeah. can't just solely be financial, you would think. Well, it, I think it's it's to do with the fact that he feels that he sacrificed a lot to return to Inter and he came to Inter and, you know, Inter wanted to cut his wages even more. He didn't start the Champions League final and he, Romelu Lukaku, is somebody who needs to be the main man. And in Inter, he's not the main man anymore. Um, mm. And he didn't start the Champions League final either. And what what he what, what he fails to understand is that he he was awful for seventy percent of last season at Inter. Not just the injuries; it was afterwards. You know, Edin Dzeko, that famous clip of Edin Dzeko laughing at him <laughs> when when he couldn't even you know when he controlled the ball like a six year old. Um, so you know, it's it's I, I I have to say I'm not upset about this at all. I didn't want him at Inter. Uh, I don't think it's worth the 35 million euros Inter are going to spend. I don't think he's worth the money he's going to command. I don't think he's ever going to be the striker he once was under Antonio Conte. I don't think he'll ever reach that level. Um, I think he's still a good striker, as I've said on this pod consistently for a year now. Um, and I think he will He will go going to Juve, he will be the main man. That's what matters to Romelu Lukaku. Yeah, I think I, that's what I think possibly is, is the main motive for him, that maybe he is going to become the main man then. But it, a lot of it just does, still doesn't add up to me in terms of the time frame. I mean, if it's financial, it doesn't quite add up because of what, like we just said, he's already taken sacrifices in the past and, and, made it, and it, that's made it clear that Money wasn't the most important thing, in, uh, certainly last year. So why should it be this year? Um, 
then the Champions League final argument, I think, yes, that's probably played a part of it. But then, you know, surely that it would have been apparent straight away at the end of the, straight away after the Champions League final and Inter would have not gone through all this, if you want to call it a charade now, of all these negoti- this negotiating that's been going on for the, I mean, the, the final, the Champions League final was, was five weeks ago, you know, We've had five weeks of negotiations with, with, with Inter to get to the stage where they basically now, Inter basically now got close to agreeing a transfer fee with Chelsea. Uh, and, and then all of a sudden on, on the Friday, in one day, it all falls apart. So it just the time frame, like if, that, if it really was, if he really was upset about the Champions League final, why, did it, you know, why didn't it come, become clear straight away? Um, is it that maybe the Juventus bid only sort of like materialised concretely recently and then when it became a possibility, then he started to listen to it? Or did he just overplay his hand? Did he? Did him and his lawyer maybe try and use um, uh, the, uh, the Juventus offer as a way to, to get, to get the, the Inter a higher uh, wage from Inter? Um, I don't know, and then maybe it backfired, and Inter just said, "Right, we're not playing your games anymore." I, d- I don't know. It just it just doesn't really add up to me. Um, but maybe that's just Lukaku for you. That's the thing; it doesn't add up because he's not a very um, he's, he's he doesn't strike to me as a very very strategic person. I don't think he understands these guys. I think he's very. From what I understand, he's you know his mother is advising him, and he listens to his mother, and 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 she's been kind of saying, well, you know, they felt betrayed by Inter not playing him in the Champions League final. They felt that he, you know, he'd returned to full fighting force and blah blah blah. Inter, however, the problem is with all of this is that he hasn't communicated this with Inter. I mean, Di Marzio was reporting that he was even. Negotiating with Juve immediately, you know, before the as in, when he realized, at the end of March, the end of March, yeah, yeah, when when he when he when he found out, you know, that he was being rotated and all of that, that he felt that he wasn't going to be the main man like, already back then. I'm not sure whether that's true or not. I think that's, I think most of these things, when when relationships sour, people tend to want to put out their version the most. But it's quite clear that Inter are apps feel absolutely betrayed and furious with him. Um, they're out, they're not interested, they don't want him, um, they don't want to have anything to do with him. We know that uh, Lukaku called Auxilio to try to mend bridges. That phone call lasted about 45 to one, 45 seconds to 1 minute and 15 seconds, and there was a lot of shouting and screaming involved um, before it was hung up. So Inter are, and, and Inter are completely united in this, like from the coach to the management to the players, like everyone seems like mm. they feel completely betrayed. And he spoke to um, the ultras as well. Is that correct? Well, I mean, that's that's what that's what's been reported, is that he spoke to the Curva Nord and said that he would come back, uh, that he was not going to sign for Juve. Uh, since then, Curva Nord have denied speaking to him. Mm. But then again, again, I don't, I, I don't really believe that either, uh, because I think they would they would look like absolute idiots if they confirmed that they spoke to him and he lied to them, and then he goes to Juve. That will put them in a position where they will have to act, and I don't think they 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 want to put themselves in that position. I think everyone has a vested interest in this mess uh, to make themselves look good, and so I don't, you know, I, my, what is my, the feeling my, of the fans uh, overall? 
um, towards Lukaku well, now? The, and what will the, the feeling be if he joins Juventus? What will the feeling if be? If he were to join Juventus, he would be the biggest traitor in Inter's modern history. There's, don't, don't doubt, there's no doubt about it. Because Inter moved heaven and earth to get this guy. Um, you have to and, remember they forget, he, and they forgave him when he came back. He forgave him when he came back. They backed him, even though it was a difficult season. Everyone was looking forward to next season, that he was going to alternate with Turam. You know, he he completely did this, created a complete and utter mess. Um, and that game, I'm, I'm kind of glad that that game is being played uh, Inter-Juve at San Siro in February, because I think that Inter will be handed a permanent stadium ban for the rest of the season after that game. Uh, the amount of abuse that he's going to get uh, at that game if he turns up in a Juventus shirt at the San Siro is going to be unlike anything you have ever seen before. Um, it's and you know there are you have to remember this is a guy who has declared his love. I mean, re- let's remember what he did at Chelsea when he was asked, "Could you ever play for in- for Juve and Milan?" And he goes, looks down dramatically, and says, "Never." About fifteen times, and that's no exaggeration. My, 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 my. He says, mm. "You know, when you do things like that, when you when you lie to people like that, when you." when you when you mess with people's emotions like that you know it's uh, that has repercussions personally i don't care i didn't want him I th- i'm actually happy he's going i don't think he's worth the money i don't think he's worth the wages um and him going to juve makes the Serie A more spicy uh, well, I think it, certainly it, makes, it certainly makes it more spicy. There's, there's no doubt about I that. Mean, um, there's no, and also because Cuadrado's going the opposite direction as well. I mean, you've got, you know, this, this is this is Serie A drama, and it's good for the league. It, it raises the profile um, because I mean, Cuadrado was, he's, he's. I, I'm not upset about that deal either. I, I mean, I look at it from a. Well, we'll come on to Cuadrado in a bit. Let's first of all let's talk about the Juventus side with Lukaku. Um, because I don't understand because what it, doing it, 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 it makes it makes no sense. I mean, Juventus have sent an offer to Chelsea, a verbal offer to Chelsea, thirty-seven and a half million euros plus two point five million in add-ons. That's forty million in total to Chelsea, uh, and but it will only be valid once if and once they sell Dusan Vlaovic. We are expecting some kind of bid from PSG this week. For Vlaovic, um, we don't know how much that that's that's going to be. There, there is some talk ninety million, which I would be quite surprised if if they went that high. If they went more than what Juventus bid bought him for themselves, I mean, that'd be fantastic for Juventus. But but either way, the numbers make no sense for Juve. I mean, they have to make one hundred and forty million this year, uh, this summer. Sorry, uh, in in profit uh, on the transfer market. Um, this whole new Juventus. And remember, they're not in the Champions League either. Uh, and they're not going to be in Europe at all because UEFA are going to ban them from the Conference League. Um, this new Juventus is supposed to be cost-effective. It's supposed to be orientated towards youth. It's supposed to be sustainable, financially sustainable, but also sustainable in terms of buying players and building a squad that can be together for a number of years. You do not have that as your project if you then go out and sign an injury-prone 30-year-old who, as you said, was a total disaster last season up until March for 40 million euros. And then you give them a huge contract. And again, we don't know exactly what the contract is, but all the, all the, the, the reports are saying between 8 and 12 million euros a year. So in gross, if you do the maths and you work it out and you add the transfer fee to the gross wages 
of uh, of what would be well again we don't know the length of contract but some are saying three even if we take three years you're looking at 70 to 80 million euros if you're going a four-year contract you're looking around 100 million euros i mean it just it just makes no sense financially makes no sense at all there's no sell-on value he's 30 years old so you're going to have no sell-on value even if you sell him in a year or two years you're not what you're going to get from him you're not going to get anything so is Lukaku going to be a, just going to be another Pogba? Um, I mean, I, I financially, just everything about it, financially in terms of sustainability, it doesn't make any sense in them, does it? It doesn't make sense like that, but it, it they will. I mean, he will be cheaper than Vlaovic. I mean, Vlaovic is on how much is he on in terms of his wages? No, he'll be on around about the same as, as, as yeah, Vlaovic. so the same. So yeah. essentially, you will be getting. Uh, you know, you sell Vlaovic for 80, 70, 80, and you buy Lukaku for 40, that's a 30 million profit. So that, I guess that that's how they're looking about it. I'm starting to think that, you know, this 140 million euro that they need to make is a bit of BS, to be honest. Um, I don't see, because unless they're going to sell yeah, Chiesa yeah. for something, mm. yeah, for, for something stupid as well. Um, but it doesn't seem like they want to do that. I, look, I think Juntoli is showing that he is actually very pragmatic. He's looking. He's gone in there with Juve. Juve spoken to Allegri. Allegri said what he wants, and he's getting him that. You know, he's just doing what he's supposed to do. Um, and I mean, there's no doubt this screams of Allegri influence pushing for, for Lukaku. Oh, he is an Allegri there's, player. There's, there's look, no doubt about I honestly think. Look, listen. If if Allegri, if Lukaku can be fit. Juve playing one game a week, Juve are in the Scudetto race. Whether or not they play good football or whether they will, you know, have well, XGs they anyway. and X. They should be, regardless. Yeah, but, but they, well, they will be. They will be with Lukaku uh, playing one game a week. Um, and look, w- with what they're looking to do, I mean, you're seeing them bringing in the players they are. I think Juventus are definitely going to be in, uh, our, our Scudetto challenger for sure. Um, Lukaku will win you games, ugly games in the Serie A, uh, and he's a yeah. system player. That you, you, Allegri plays a counter-attacking football. It suits Lukaku. He can hold up defenders. He can hold them off. He can link up. Like we've seen all of that. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, no, I, I think this is this is for Juve. This is not a bad deal because Vlaovic is clearly not working out, um, and him and Allegri don't seem to get along, and he doesn't seem to be able to do what Allegri wants him to do. Um, so, you know, that makes sense. But of course, long term financially, I don't think you're in that situation. I think you would just need to make the numbers work. And if they can bring him down, you know, make a but profit. Again, on, on in terms of team building, in terms of building a team to be successful, you know, over a period of time, again, it's just it's just another short term signing. He's 30 years old, he's 31 mm, during the season. Yeah. It's just it's just again, there's the same criticisms that we've been making for Juve for the last three to four years. Like, even if he is. I, mean, I remember saying exactly the same things about Di Maria this time yeah. last season. I'm just saying that I'm just changed the name to, to, to Lukaku, basically. Yeah. It's just it's just like you know. And I yeah, but I don't think you can say that about Juntoli, Lukaku. Is not like with Di Maria. Di Maria was was virtually just came and used Juve as a build up for the World Cup, which he won. No, yeah, I know. Out. I mean, I'm talking from Juventus's point of view. I'm just talking about you know they're buying someone who's 30 years old. They're, they're spending all, I mean up to 100 million on a player that what what you can, if you're lucky you're going to get. 
two top top years out of him. But that's the thing, though. Will I mean, Juventus? Just... Like that's the thing, though. I'm not entirely sure because I I think that Juve will keep him for one or two years and then they'll sell him to Saudi Arabia. Um, uh, you know, same thing with with Pogba. I think I think they look at it like that. I don't think they look at Lukaku more than one or two years just to get back, get themselves back into the you know back into the Champions League, back into contention to fight for school. I think that's why they look at it. They look at this as kind of a you know. That he gives you guarantees, you know. If you're pushing, but Bonucci does he give you guarantees? I mean, the guy's totally was totally his body was totally I, wrecked up until March, so there are no well, guarantees. That's the thing. I mean, that's there's, the there's, thing. there's more, there's just as much, if not more, chance of him just being another Pogba that his body, yeah, his th- body can't. True. And you're spending hundred million, true. you're spending hundred million euros. That is a risk. That is a huge risk you are taking. But I think, given the financial situation they're in, um, that's one they feel they have to make. Well, for a hundred million, I mean, it, it doesn't. I mean, it's not. Yeah, I mean, you're, I'm, you're I'm not saying. No, I'm not going to come on here and say he's a bad player because he's not. I think there's exaggerations that go either way, you know, yeah. and and the exaggerations of, of Lukaku. You know, he was actually very. He was actually. He was excellent uh, from 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 March March onwards for, for Inter. There's no doubt about that. He was fantastic. Mm. Of of course, he missed those huge chances in the final, um, which is unfortunate for Inter. But you know, yeah. apart from that, you know, he was he was he was fantastic. So if if Juventus get the Lukaku from March until the end of the season, which I think they will. I think I think they will, and and I think that that's what they're counting on. I don't think they're getting Pogba. Pogba was different. Pogba was a completely different situation. But there is a risk. There's always a risk involved. No doubt about mm. that. The other and thing. Then, so oh, the other thing to worry. The other thing is, you know, Lukaku has only done well in his career when he's felt loved. I think everybody <laughs> will agree with that. Um, mm-hmm. And. Will there be that love with the Juventus fans? We've just, you know, we were. No, there isn't. The, the love record- between the Juve fans. Look, he was racially abused by them less than four or five months well, we, ago. Well, we're literally. recording this on we're recording this on Monday afternoon. Now, on Monday morning, um, there were chants outside when the Juventus players were, were arriving to, to training. There was chants, mass chants from Juventus fans chanting, "We do not want Lukaku." Um, and you only have to go onto social media and see what Juventus fans are saying that they don't want Lukaku. Now, of course, that can change. If the players start playing well, that you know they, they will start charting for it. And that's just football. But you know, Lukaku has only really done well when he's felt loved, felt like the main man. So, is he going to get that at Juventus? Is he going to feel the connection with Juventus? He needs to feel it himself as well. Um, you know, having been racially abused, you know, by Juventus. Some, I mean, so, you know. By some, it's not all, but some, only a section of Juventus fans. Is he gonna? Is that gonna stop him from, you know, fulfilling his potential at Juventus? I don't know. Um, it's just, it's gonna be a difficult, like it's gonna be a difficult uh, win. He's not, you know, but he's also the kind of guy. He he has this, you know, this this whole thing with that he has about him of turning his life into a movie, and you know you know, they first, you know, winning people over and, and building these kind of, you know, things in his head where, you know, proving the doubters and haters wrong dog. Like he's, he is this kind of character that thinks he's a, he's a, you know, like, like a, like a 1990s hip hop movie. You know, it's like, he's got this kind of vibe about him where he's like, yeah, I'm, I never do things easily. I always go against the grain. I always go against the wind in my face, bro. Like that's the kind of character he is. And he, he will go into Juve trying to win the fans over. And then when he wins them over, he'll continue to do that silencing thing. And then he'll, do you know what I mean? Like, that's just who he is. 
Um, so I, I, I don't think, I've, I think he sees that as a challenge. Um, the most important thing at Juve for him is that Allegri wants him, that Allegri believes in him, that he's an Allegri player, that he's the number one at Juve up front for Allegri. The fans, he clearly doesn't give a crap about. Like, Let me just throw sometimes. one last, you know, spanner in the works here. Is there a possibility with Juntili that he is thinking to the future of Lukaku and that maybe Antonio Conte that's exactly what I. That's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking because I think this will be the last season of Allegri. I don't think they're going to extend Allegri's contract past this season, and I don't think Allegri was going to is going to go into his last contract either. Mm. Um, so I, I, I actually think that if Conte is away this season, he could return next season. Yes, unless somebody something crazy happens and somebody snaps Conte up, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Conte returns the following summer and with Lukaku there, who he loves, you know, looking yeah. That, that's that's. I think that's a possibility. I do. Mm. I, I wonder because I just feel like Juntili being. I mean, the job that he did at Napoli it was all about building a projects and sustainable projects. I just don't. Uh, it, it doesn't seem to marry with 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 what he's done in the past. Of course, when you're a bigger club, you have to be, you have to work slightly differently, um, but and you have to win straight away, um, which which isn't expected of you at Napoli, but. Yeah, uh, I don't know, but let's let's before we we we, we talk more about Juventus because there's lots to talk about in Juventus on today's show. Now that Lukaku has been dropped by Inter, they need to still need to sign a striker. Now Sky Sky Sport Italia say there's four strikers on the shortlist: Balogun, Unzola, Morata, and Taremi. Balogun and Taremi seem to be the two favourites. What what is the situation, and, and who would you like, and who would Inter fans like most out of these? Um, I think me personally, I look at, I look at, well, if you were going to move heaven and earth to get Lukaku, that means that you want to play, you want a certain type of striker. Um, and Turam and Lukaku were going to be two of those, which were kind of similar. And then you're going to have Lautaro and Correa, uh, or whoever Correa replaces if Correa leaves, we're going to be the ones that you choose from. Those are the fourth. So those are the characters you're looking for, those style of players. And when you look at that style of player, Taremi and Enzola are more similar to Lukaku than Mor- Morata and Balogun is, you know, mm-hmm. uh, for characteristics. Um, Enzola is a player I think is who we were impressed by at Spezia, but it's you can't sit and talk about winning the Scudetto and then not, you know, go after Enzola after Lukaku. That, that makes no sense. It's, 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 it's stupid. You, you make yourself look dumb again. So you need someone with some kind of an international pedigree, someone who has Champions League um, experience and, and has won trophies, even if it's in a different country. And there, for me, if you look at, if you've watched, you know, how Taremi has played and then what kind of a player he's become under Conceição since joining Conceição, He's a goal scorer and he, he's an assist man. You know, last season is 32 goals, I think it was, and 18 assists or 15 assists in all competitions. Um, yeah, sorry, 31 goals and 14 assists. Uh, you know, that that the season he was the top goal scorer in Portugal, the second time he became that. Uh, the season before that, 26 goals and 17 assists. Uh, season before that, 23 goals and 18 assists. So for me, that makes more sense. Um to, to go after him and, and also for the price range and his wages won't be as expensive because again, if you're prepared to go after Lukaku for that kind of money, you know, you wouldn't get any, you wouldn't get paid for, for Lukaku. 
uh, you know, there's no resale value. So if you're going to do that, Ptolemy is like a year older, but he hasn't played as much football in his life. When he was younger, he did his military service for two years. So he didn't play as much. And also he's kind of, he's a late bloomer and he still hasn't peaked. And whilst, you know, Lukaku's played first team football since he was 15 years old. So, you know, that's how I look at it. For Balogun, look, if you're, again, if Lukaku, Turam, Lautaro, Korea was the original plan, that means you're going to rotate your four strikers. That means that they have to be ready when called upon. And Balogun is, is a big talent, huge talent. He scored lots of goals last season. But he's not the finished product. And he, if you're bringing in someone to, you know, and he's a young player who needs to play, and to rotate him and expect him to be the finished product, it's a risk. And I think... And it's a lot of money as well. It's a lot of money as well. And also the deal isn't very sweet. I mean, Arsenal don't need... They're not going to do Inter any favours. They're not cash-strapped. So Inter are going to have to break the bank for this guy. And they don't have a lot of money to do it. And they probably have to spend most of the Onana money on signing two goalkeepers in Trubin and, and Sommer in, in an ideal world. So... And then you still have a, and then you still have a, you know, six midfielder and another striker to fill. So, to me, it, it makes no sense to go after Balogun because if, even if you get him for 30, 40 million, well, Arsenal will want to buy back at forty-five, fifty. Um, so you're not going to make that much money on him either. And 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 it's like it just it does it doesn't make much sense to me. Um, Morata is is insanity. I mean, the only way that I would accept Alvaro Morata is if he's replacing Joaquin Correa. Yes, Alvaro Morata would be a huge upgrade on Joaquin Correa. But other than that, Alvaro Morata, replacing Romelu Lukaku with Alvaro Morata is, is insanity. There, what, what possible, like what possible tactical and characteristical traits do they have in common other than that they are both human beings and that they play football for a living and that they play up front? But other than that, there's nothing, like there's no similarities between them whatsoever. So it, it makes no sense tactically for me at all, unless you're replacing Correa with Morata. I'd be all in favor of that. I think Alvaro Morata is a hundred times the player Joaquin Correa is. But to replace Lukaku with Morata just makes no sense to me. And again, Inter need to have a reliable goal scorer. Lukaku is, is their penalty taker. Taremi is their penalty is a penalty taker. Like, do you know what I mean? Like that kind of, I'm looking at characteristics and traits. Um, and and but I think most you know most Inter fans at this point would probably like Balogun because he's young and and all that. But I, I just don't see Arsenal doing Inter any favors. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a, is a, is a lot of money. But then you know even Taremi, that Porto are asking for thirty million for a thirty player that turns thirty one. I think before the end of this month. So it's um, it's yeah, it's, it's 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 a lot of money whichever way you look at it. Um, but then it was also crazy amount of money for Lukaku as well. And then you've got the salary to take into account. Um, anyway, um, Juan Cuadrado, um, just to add to the whole Lukaku craziness, um, Juan Cuadrado is joining Inter. It's basically a done deal. Um, Two million salary for a one-year contract. He rejected a move to Saudi Arabia and he rejected Fenerbahce in order to join Inter. Um, so Juventus fans are obviously going to feel exactly the same towards Cuadrado as Inter fans are going to feel towards Lukaku. Um, me personally, I've been one of Cuadrado's few defenders. I, I don't understand. He's always been so very unpopular with a large 
portion of the Juventus fan base. I've never understood that. I've always thought he's fantastic. Um, I thought he's, you know, one of the few players that Juventus have had during this time that have, that's had that ability to to break the press, to beat their man, to create overloads. Um, very versatile player. Um, you know, chips in with goals, chips in with assists. Um, you know, uh, plays a lot of games. Uh, I, I think he's been fantastic for Juventus over this period. I think he's obviously passed his best now. He's 35. I can kind of understand Juventus not giving him a new one-year contract, which he wanted. He wanted to stay at Juve for another year. Um, but, you know, I guess it is disappointing from the Juventus fans' perspective that he then joins the your rivals. It does kind of, I guess, was it worth it just for a year? Could you have gone somewhere else? Um, the only thing I would say on Quadrado's side is he's he's been very open. He wants to play another World Cup. Uh, so he wants to obviously stay at a high level. He doesn't want to move to Saudi Arabia or even to Turkey yet. Um, question is, could he have found someone else other than Inter? Are you happy though, Nima, as an Inter fan? For I, I have no problems with this deal other than, look, I think it's... Um, I, I have no problems with it. I really, really don't. Um, because I look at it like this. I mean, on paper kind of thing, it's he will cost less than Belanova did last year in between loan and wages. And I mean, I saw an article on this. They, they save actually money on him. He's going to come, he's going to make around two and a half million euros plus add-ons. Um, he is very experienced. Inter have lost so much leadership and experience this summer in D'Ambrosio, Handanovic, Dzeko, um, and of course, now with Lukaku gone as well, I mean that's that's a lot of experience. Um, so you need to have someone who has experience in the dressing room, because the the idea is that Lautaro and uh, Lautaro, Barella, and Bastoni are now going to fund fund the fundamentals of this new Inter dressing room. Skriniar is left as well, um, so you're going to need you have to have some experience. Inter don't have a lot of money. He has he understands the Serie A in terms of different styles of, of the player he is. He's a dribbler. He can beat his man. He can shoot. He's, he's, he's quite the goal scorer. So he's different to, to Denzel Dumfries. Suits the formation as well. Suits the formation in a 3-5-2. You know, and he's supposed to rotate with Denzel Dumfries, which, I mean, to be honest, I th he is, even now, at this point, when he's pretty much way past his best, he's still better than Denzel Dumfries. So, you know... I do think he was still useful... He actually had quite a strong end to the season. Juventus, yeah, he did. Uh, last season. He didn't start yeah. very well. First no, of the season. no, he didn't. He, he um, ended, but I, I think he can be useful in short bursts. Like, I think Quadrides is a player that even now, if you bring him on, even for the last 20 minutes, half an hour in a game, including in Europe, I still think he can be useful. I, I do. Um, he's still got that ability to beat his man. I mean, you know what he's going to do. You know he's going to drop his left shoulder and then go on the outside. But he can never, you can never stop him, even now. So he's still, he's still able to... To break, you know, to break a line and and create an overload, and I think that's very very useful. Um, but he's at a certain age now where age can catch up with you quickly. Um, we've seen it before. I remember when Lucio went from Inter to Juve, uh, and was still at a decent level. But then it was no, a, he was, was finished when he joined Juve. He was absolutely finished. I never understood that move at all. Um, I, I thought it was a weird one when that when he joined Juve. I remember Lucio. I, I think. For Inter, it's like, 
they 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 know that they need to have different styles of players on the wings, and I think that's why Inter are open to getting rid of Gossens and bringing in Carlos Agosto as well from Monza, because compared to Di Marco on the other end, I mean, you want to have options on the wings. You want to have the the Di Marco crosser and um, you know his left foot is fantastic. He's not he's never going to beat his man, but so you need someone who can beat his man on the wings on either wing, and Cordero can do that, and Agosto can do that. Di Marco and Dumfries can't. So you want to have options for different games. You know, you want to have different weapons to attack, it, to resolve situations in games. And I think that's the way they look at it. And I know, for me, I'm not bothered about... I, I think one year, two, two and a half million, he's less than Belanova, just one year. That That's 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 a decent... I'm not, I'm not upset about that at all. What I am critical of, though, is I do think that this summer, in certain positions... Marotta and Auxilio have shown that they lack in imagination. They lack... Um, it just feels so Looking to the future. desperate. Yeah, desperate. Stop gap. Stop gap, yeah. And, and de- stop gap, desperate, and lack of imagination. And that, that's something that... Look, that defence is going to need a massive overhaul next summer. Because if you bring in Quadrado, you have Acerbi, you have Darmian... Okay, you've brought in Bisek, but he's a youngster. You don't know how good he's going to be. He could be absolutely fantastic, but you don't know. So now's the time. Like this, this is next summer is all about the defense. And on top of that, you've got two goalkeepers coming in. You know, one is Sommer. Uh, the other one could be Trubin or could be uh, Audero. So, you know, you lose. You, you, you're, there's, there's, a, there's a big sense of insecurity and uncertainty about Inter defensively which already was a problem last summer and last season. So there is they 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 are they are risking it here but they've got no choice. I get that. Financially they've got no choice. But mm. this this is a little bit Aspilicueta-ish. Okay. Although but I We're do talk- get it. I do yeah. get it. You get it. Okay. We're talking about uncertainty defensively. A defender that has looked very uncertain for the last year or so is Leonardo Bonucci and he has been told by Juventus, by Juntoli uh, and Giovanni Manna, that they don't want him. He's been basically frozen out of the squad. He won't go on tour to America. The decision uh, has been shared with Allegri. So that's Juventus telling Bonucci, well, that's it. That's your Juventus career over. Find a new club. That's basically what Juventus done. Very ruthless. Um, for me, I think it's a decision that, that had to be made. Um, he's, he's clearly... I don't understand how it wasn't made two years ago, if I'm perfectly honest, after the Euros. I think he was finished already then. I think the Euros was his last... He creamed out the last level of quality well, he had. Well, yeah. I mean, you, you're not, you're not going to make the decision after he's been the, the, maybe the best player at the tournament. But last year, this time last year, absolutely. Um, you know, these kind of ruthless decisions needed to be made. Uh, maybe they thought, well, we got rid of Chiellini. We don't want to get rid of Benucci in the same summer. We need some experience. But there's just no point in keeping a player around just to be a cheerleader. Uh, if you're going to do that, just make him become a coach. You know, don't let him take up a, a, a spot on the team or in the squad. And then he puts out a performances like we saw from Benucci last season where he cost Juventus, you know, so many points because he just wasn't good enough. Uh, and, you know, so this was a decision that, that had to be made. Um, he's too old. He's 36 now. His legs have, have completely gone. Um, and... You know, something had to be done. Uh, and I think this is a positive thing of Jensley coming in, that he's shown that, you know, 
uh, juxtaposed against what he's done with <laughs> Lukaku, which which you'd say is is maybe something he shouldn't be doing. But you know they have to make these decisions. Uh, for Bonucci, it's not good as you know he wanted another year so he could play at the Euros. From what we've seen, it seems like Bonucci is not ready to accept defeat. That he wants to try and win them over. Um, but I think I, I think his decision had to be made, isn't it, Nima? Um Yes, I think this is inev- inevitable. I I don't, you know, I'm, I'm sorry if Juve fans are upset or or if people feel <laughs> no. I mean, I I would be cheering this to be honest. I. What does it mean for Bonucci? Like, where does he go from here? I mean, who does he go? Where does he go? Because, I mean, who would want? Who could he do a job for now? Is there any teams that in Serie A that you think? I mean, I saw some ridiculous links. Like, was it not PSG? I think it was PSG, or it was there were some teams in the, uh, Newcastle. I saw, which is just totally bizarre. I think the Premier League's the last place. <laughs> Benucci was succeeding when his legs have, legs are, have, have gone like they have. But like, is there anywhere that you could see Benucci still doing a job, or should mm, he just retire? Do you think? I think the be- I, I think the best thing that can that can happen for him is if he left like Chiellini did and went to the United States um, or went. Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia, or you know something like that. I think at this level he is finished. Um, On the European, European, at the European top level, yeah. I think he is, unless he decides to do one of these Buffon kind of things, where you know go to a smaller club and Sampdoria with Pirlo, you know something like that to do to yeah. do to you know bring Sampdoria to help Pirlo. Or, do you know what I mean? Like something like that. I, I just don't see him at the highest level. I'm thanking the Lord, even though I'm not religious, I'm an atheist. I am praying to every, every I'm praying to God and everything, every, every deity ever conceived and that has existed in history of mankind that Inter already have signed, have Acerbi and, and Stefano de Fra, Stefan de Frey there. Cause otherwise I think Bonucci would be turning up at Apiano Gentile. <laughs> for another return and and thank you thank you that this is not no longer an option um because he's a central in a back three uh he's a mid he's a central defender in, a, in like a mid mid uh, mid like a central central defender in a back three he can't play to the right so thank you for that but i i do think for his sake i think it's time to move on to either to the mls or saudi arabia or to um to a lower uh, you know, I think do, he's uh, got a little bit of what Ronaldo had, um, sort of like towards the end of his time at Manchester United, where he's been, you know, such a legend, such a legend of the game, um, that sometimes these kind of players don't can't accept when their powers have have waned, and I think that's with Benucci. Same with Benucci. Benucci still wants to play at the highest level. He still wants to play for Juventus, but more importantly, he wants to play at the Euros. He wants to be the man, the Italy's you know captain, and and make that his final tournament, and that's a year away, and you know, Roberto Mancini has shown too much loyalty. I mean, we saw, didn't we, just last month with the the Nations League and the semi-finals, he cost Italy, he basically cost Italy that 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 game uh, in the semi-final against Spain with that error that he made for the first goal, 
um, and he was he was horrific in, in that match. Now, this could actually end up being a blessing for Italy that Juventus doing this. You would think that that's it for Benucci for Italy now, surely, unless somehow he manages to find himself, uh, you know, another club and he and he turns it around. You'd think Mancini surely can't keep picking Benucci now when, when he picks his squad for these crucial World Cup qualifiers in September. Benucci surely can't be can't be in that squad, can they? Can it? No, he has no business in that squad. <laughs> it doesn't matter if they play with a back three or a back four or whatever. The, the Bonucci is not good enough. It's time to move on. He has to cut ties. I'm, I don't understand, you know, when, when Moncini first came on, one of the reasons I wanted him as a coach and one of the reasons that I think he did really well was because he cut ties. He was ruthless. He came in with a new approach, new ideas. He integrated new players. He needs to cut the umbilical cord with these this old guard that won him the Euros, the, the, especially the 30-plus players. You know, you have to move on. Otherwise, you're just wasting until his time and you're going to play with your job as well because you will get sacked. You don't get to the Euros, you will be sacked and your brand will be toxic. You, you're not going to get another job in Europe again. You're going to be sent to, you know, to do what Lippi did at the after he won the World Cup, you know, all over the world. And, and that's not what he wants. He wants to have another top job. And in order to have another top job, he has to deliver with, it, with Italy now. And he can't do that when he's, if he's going to continue with this Leonardo Bonucci stuff. You know, the Toloi nonsense. Like, stop. Stop it. Yeah. Enough. Move on. Yeah. yeah, I think everybody agrees there. Um, just f- finishing on Juventus. <clears throat> so there is another deal that they are working on, and that is Frank Kessier. Now, those who listen to our um, Milan Mercato deep dive with Vito Angela uh, last Thursday, and I would really recommend everybody listen to that. It's a fantastic pod. He gave us some really great insight in the transfer business that Milan are planning Um between now and the end of the summer, ins and outs. Um, he mentioned that Kessier's agent is offering him around to, to clubs and that he had been offered to, to Milan. It's something that Milan have thought about, although they haven't, you know, nothing concrete has come of it. Um, now, since then, we've learnt that um, Juventus are actively in negotiations to, to sign Kessier. Um, they're in a two-way battle at the moment in terms of concrete uh, offers and along with Al-Hilal, another Saudi Arabian team. Uh, and um, the, the proposal is a loan with an option to buy. Um, so again, this is the Prince of Allegri. He wants ready-made physical players. Um, I'm not, again, with, as same as with Lukaku, I'm not sure whether this is good for Juventus in terms of... Like, I look at Juventus's centre midfield and I think it's the last place in the team that Juventus needs work. I mean, they've got Pogba, they've got Rabiot, who's obviously signed on for another year. They've got Locatelli, they've got Fagioli, they've got Rovella coming back, who I really like. They've got Miretti. And that's before you get to those who are officially to sell and will be moved on in one way or another. And that's Arthur Mello, Zakaria, McKenney. So Juventus are stacked in, in centre midfield. Um, and they, but, they've, but they've got a lot of good young players there. <coughs> Locatelli, Fagioli, Rovella, Miretti. Uh, certainly Locatelli, Fagioli and Rovella, they're three players I believe in that can be developed. Um, so, you know, Juventus, you're thinking, they're going to have to sell or offload one of these younger Italian players to make way for Kessie. And I don't, I just, I'm not sure whether I'm comfortable with that. And I'm, again, I'm not sure. I know Kessie's not old, he's 26, but yeah. 
I'm not sure whether this is, you know, I don't think it's a priority, should be a priority for Juventus. I think it's, you know, they should be I, I, I mean, what happened with those Paul Pogba talks with Saudi? Do they all, I mean, what, what was the, you know, are those still ongoing? Is, is there still a decision to be made? I mean, what, what's happening there? Because I think that is Well, intermediaries, of- yeah, intermediaries as they do have been, you know, have, have been making making proposals to, to Pogba. Um, and, you know, we have to see how they play out. I mean, the Kessier signing could suggest that maybe, yeah, maybe Juventus want Pogba out. Maybe they see him as a replacement for Pogba. Someone's and if we're talking, And if we're talking about Antonio Conte taking over in a year from now, <laughs> he's, he is a Conte well, He's tried player. to sign him, hasn't he, before? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this, this makes sense to me. And he's, he's a younger player. Um than than what you know you know it's, it's, so he's not he's not he's not old and he doesn't really he's not really doing it a good job you know he's not you know boss he's not a Barcelona player I never understood why they signed him in the first place um so yeah I mean I mean it's a loan if it if it is a loan with an option the key be an option and not an obligation then financially it's not a big deal and obviously we'll see what the salary is um. But again, you know, I don't want this signing of Kessier to be at the expense of one of these younger players who, you know, I believe should be the future and give Juventus that 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 you know part of the Juventus project. You know, part the the, the, the issue with Juventus is is like players that could have, you know, been the cornerstone of a Juventus for the next five years. You know, in recent years, Juventus have just been getting rid of too many of these players. We've just you know, one in, one out, buy someone in, get rid of them. So bring in Kessier or bring in Pogba and get rid of a player in midfield that could be around for the next five years. You know, they've got to stop that. At some point, they've got to sit down and think, right, this is going to be our core that we want to build the team around for the next five years. And I don't want Kessier to be at the expense of a Locatelli or a Fagioli or a Ravella or even a Miretti. I mean, I, I think Miretti should go out on loan um, this, this, this season, but I don't want him sold. Um, you know, so... I think that that's the key here with with the Kessie signing. Plus, I just think that this is a low pri- low priority for, for Juventus. I think the priority is obviously the attack and the wing, the full backs or wing backs in particular, and also the cent- another central defender as well. I mean, these should be the priorities for Juventus before they start, you know, working on the the centre of the midfield. Talking of centre midfielders, um, Tijani Reinders is to sign for Milan in the next day or two. Um, Milan will pay a Z a fee of 20 million euros uh, plus bonuses for him. Um, Four-year contract, uh, salary of around 1.7 million euros. Again, we spoke to Vito Angelo on our Milan deep dive last Thursday about this signing, so listen to that. But I spoke to a, to a Dutch football journalist, uh, Imre Himmelbauer, um, this morning about Reinders and kind of what Milan fans can expect from him because I haven't seen too much of him, I'll be honest with you. I've seen a little bit of, of AZ in Europe. Um, so I asked uh, Imre, you know, what can Milan expect? And um, I'll, I'll quote him. He says, I would say he's a pretty good player, but I do think Milan are overpaying a bit, um, especially as he is going to be a replacement for Tonali. Uh, Reinders had a good season last season. He was really productive. Um, especially for someone that that has a somewhat defensive role in the midfield. But there is a concern over whether he has the technique on the ball to to succeed at Milan. His best role is as a number eight. So we could potentially see when Benacer returns from injury, uh, a midfield three of Benacer, 
Reinders as the kind of centre centre midfielder, and then uh, Ruben Loftus Cheek on the right of the of the midfield three. Um, he again says that Milan overpaid. They he thinks they should have gone for his teammate Urkon Kokchu, who he thinks is a superior player. Um, as for strengths and weaknesses, he would say physically uh, is physicality. Um, again, that ties into kind of this new Milan, isn't it? That we've been talking about. They want to be more physical, have more intensity. Uh, he has the stamina to, to 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 play a whole game. He, he's very hard working. Um, he's a team player. He's not somebody that will stand out individually, but he'll make those around him play better. Uh, he's a box to box player. Um, his uh, weaknesses uh, again. He underlines his his technique um, as as something that uh, maybe he has an issue. And he also he needs to speed up because um, he's playing. He's going to be playing at a higher level and a higher intensity than the, than, than the area divisi. So. That is something that he will also have to work on. Um, but he is successful. That He is um, optimistic, uh, Imre says, that he can be a success and that Dutch midfielders, central midfielders have, have, have been quite successful in Italy in recent seasons, the likes of uh, <coughs> Derone and Coop Miners. So, yeah, so that's, that's, that's what um, the Dutch expert, Dutch expert says. Um, if, again, just going back to what Vito Angela said on Thursday... Milan have, have now, or will have now signed two central midfielders, Loftus-Cheek and, um, and and Reinders, but they do still plan to sign another central midfielder if possible, if the market opportunity arises. Um, they're changing formation from a 4-2-3-1 to a 4-3-3 this season, so there'll be no attacking central midfielder, no Brahim Diaz, he's gone back to Madrid. De Ketelier we know is for sale. Um, so, so, yeah, Milan could still bring in another central midfielder, but Milan are going to sign him. So I'm assuming, Nima, you probably haven't seen too much of him either. Um, from what I've seen and from him, I, I actually think he will do well at Milan. I, I mean, that he fits into the mould that they want to bring in. I mean, he's a number eight, isn't he? I mean, they want to play a fourth. Really. It's quite clear. Pioli is, both of these clubs, Inter and Milan, are changing how they play. They are, you know, I, I never expected Milan to be so, to make as many changes as they are, but they are completely changing how they're playing. Um, and it's going to be really interesting to see how that goes, um, to be honest. But it, I, I think I think he's a, he's an interesting player for sure. Yeah. Overpaying or not, look, with all due respect, I think that depends. He, you know what you get out of him. If he turns out to be fantastic, twenty twenty four million is not that bad, is he? Is it one? So, there's one season you're paying for one season as a regular for AZ. I guess there is the concern with that. Um, but then you know we see that a lot players. One seat off the back of one season, and they go for big, big money. So you know, I guess that's to be expected now in 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 modern football. AZ did impress me as a team when I watched them in Europe um, uh, last season, and they knocked out uh, Lazio. Was it Lazio, they knocked out, wasn't it in the in Europe in the Europa yeah. League? Um, so or the Conference League. So yeah, I think um, yeah. I, I mean, Milan are Milan have a clear plan uh, of where they're going. Um, We'll have to see whether the, the decision to sell Tonali and replace them with these guys was the, was the correct well, one. Now I'm reading that Musa as well, the, who I think is going to be very, very important for them as well. Mm. Um, is that, you know, that, that's something I've been waiting for, for them to complete for a long time. I, I think that's a good play. I, I, I'm starting to I see what Yunus Musa, the American, um, it's, I'm starting to see what Milan want to do, and it's a completely different Milan. It's a much more dynamic Milan, and it's a, it's a Milan where it's no longer just Teo, Leao, and Inshallah. It is absolutely not that at all. He's he's building a team to impose themselves uh, 
in on their op- opposition with in a system. And I think Milan are going to be a much more attacking side. Uh, where how it goes, you know, who knows? They they need to have you know is 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 Liao going to be the main finisher, or are they bringing someone else in to to kind of help him with that with that goal with that goal scoring? Because I think the the Taremi links make sense in that aspect. Um, so no, it's it's going to be a very interesting. My concern uh, with these with these signings, uh, the central midfield signings, is like where are the goals going to come from? There's going to be no goals in midfield. With these I think Pulisic. I think they're counting on no, Pulisic. Yeah, but, yeah, but I think they're counting on. He'll, yeah, but he'll be playing attack. But the midfield, you know, Rinders, you're not going to get goals from. Uh, Musa doesn't score any goals. Uh, Benacer, when he's back from injury, he doesn't score any goals. Uh, Krunic, you know, he doesn't score many goals. Um, you know, so, you know, Loftus-Cheek, I mean, he's he's hardly prolific. He, 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 there is a goal threat there. There can be a goal threat if he's given the right role. Um, I think it depends. I think they're going to share it amongst the top three. Like, I think the main, I think it's it's going to be Teo, Leao, whoever's the number nine, Giroud, Taremi, whoever, and then Pulisic uh, yeah. as well. I think that's teams, what they're looking at. The best at. teams, you need goals from your midfield. You can't rely Absolutely. just on your attack from your midfield. Absolutely. So that is... Already, for me, that looks like a glaring weakness for me in this Milan team, that the lack of goals in the, that are going to come from the midfield. Mm. But, you know, Musa hasn't signed yet. They could sign someone else. Uh, I'm just saying, I'm just the way that it's mapping out, I see that as a, as a possible glaring weakness for Milan mm. next season. Talking about goals or lack of goals, Alvaro Morata uh, or Gianluca Scamacca, they didn't score many goals, either of them mm. last season. Um, so it looks like it's going to be one of these for the striker position at Roma. Um, Roma's uh, uh, transfer chief, Thiago Pinto, is going to meet with Morata's agent today, Monday. Um, now, the, the situation is, is as I just understand to plug, it... Just before we, just before we, um, we go, uh, we talk about Roma, I just want to say that this week we're doing uh, a transfer deep dive on Roma, uh, which will come out on Wednesday or Thursday. Um, and uh, yeah, I just wanted to give, give a shout out on that. Um, that we're, yeah. we're gonna, well, we're well, gonna well a... and who's that with? Um, Nima? Uh, it's Andrea Di Carlo, um, right. Andrea Di Carlo, who, um, uh, who I think he used to, I, I don't know if he's still on, on Sport Media set or not. Um, but I, I, I think, uh, I know that he, he runs, he's part of one of, um, uh, he's got. Uh, he, he works for uh, Radio Romanista and Il Romanista Web, and they're they're one of these bigger, one of the bigger Rome radio stations and Roma sites. Hmm. Um, so yeah, Andrea Di Carlo. So um, well, he can he can tell us all about that. So we we won't go into too much detail on this. But all, all I would say, what my understanding is that Mourinho's preferred target is Morata, hmm. Jose Mourinho, but Thiago Pinto. Thiago Pinto and Roma club as a whole, understandably, because they want to build with younger, some more sustainable players. Their preferred target is Schemacca, but you know Roma only want to sign Schemacca on loan with an option to buy. That's something that West Ham are not happy with. And as for Morata, well, there's the issue with his cost. Um, there's talk that he might be signing a new contract with Atletico Madrid, which will insert a, a lower release clause of around about 12 million euros. If that's not the case, because there's no guarantee that that is actually the case, um, you know, then Atletico Madrid, if they're going to be asking for too much more money than that, like 20 million or something, then, you know, for someone that's going to be 31 this year for a team like Roma, they're only, you know, with the financial fair play that we've just seen that they, they didn't uh, meet the demands at the end of last month. Um, you know, it, again, it's, it's, 
there's a financial angle to this as well. So, but just talking in terms of who do you think Roma should go for? Who do you think Scamacca, Scamacca, without a doubt, because of the longevity of it as well. I mean, there's going to be a point when Mourinho leaves, um, and for for and I think he would be a beautiful, beautifully romantic signing as well, wouldn't he? I mean, he's a Roma kid. He's a he supports Roma. He you know he's been very mm. clear about that. And I think that he, you know, for him to come home, I think that would be just don't let his dad near the. Near yeah, the, but he doesn't have any relationship with his dad or his nonna, uh, who, yeah. who 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 did what they did. Um, but look, if you're looking for now, if Mourinho wants Morata and he's got Dybala and Pellegrini there, then you give Mourinho what he wants. Mm. Mm, but no, technically look. that would be. A, I think that would be a lot of fun, wouldn't it? Those those if they can get it working. We know Dybala and Pellegrini hasn't hasn't worked, but if they can somehow. Find the formula. Maybe Morata could be the key that unlocks. Well, that, that. is one thing about Morata. He does make players around him play better. He does. He does. Yeah. But the problem that Moroma had, and I'm going to ask uh, on 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 Wednesday about this, is um, uh, Andrea about this, is I don't quite understand who's going to score the goals because Dybala's not a prolific goal scorer. Roma had a problem with someone putting the ball into the back of the net. Morata isn't, mm. Pellegrini isn't, Dybala isn't. So who's going to be that 25-30 goal, goal season guy? Because Roma creates so many chances. The stats show that. Dybala, Dybala watching... for me, there's no doubt Dybala will, will definitely score more than 20-plus <coughs> goals a season if, if fit? he's fit. Mm. <laughs> that's, the, that's the problem. There's no doubt mm. about that for me. But yeah, I, I, I agree. The, I think the only thing about Roma is that at least they do have goals throughout the team. But um, yeah, we saw last season that scoring goals was a big, big problem for them. And... Um, well, stopped them from winning a trophy, didn't it? They didn't put their chances away no. in the final. Um, okay, right. Yeah, so we will have a, like, just all Roma fans, just so you know, we will be having a full-on Roma deep dive this week. Either it's Wednesday or Thursday that'll come out. Uh, and then the following week, I'm looking to do a Lazio deep dive as well. Yeah. Uh, and the week after that, Fiorentina, who we're moving on to now, because they yeah. have signed one of the signings of the summer, if you ask me. Well, this is insane. 10 million plus one million in add-ons for Fabiano Parisi from It's MP. a fantastic deal. I mean, it's, it's just insane. Absolutely fantastic It just goes deal. into what I was saying last week about how Serie A teams undersell. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm happy this transfer has happened because I think this is a good step up for Parisi. I'm a big fan of the player. I really think he can go very far in the game. I think he's got everything to be, potentially be, the, you know, an Italy, well, there's so many good left-backs for Italy, but good enough to be Italy's left-back, if not necessarily, necessarily Italy's left-back. Um, and to only go for 11 million euros. I mean, we were just criticising. We had a question on our Q&A last yeah, week. Yeah, on our Q&A pod, yeah. Who's the worst sporting director? Is it Daniele Prade? And we were kind of like, mm, yeah, maybe it is based on what he's done. And then he pulls out a deal like this. Yeah, he does. And it's a fantastic, it's it's an absolutely brilliant signing. Um, it's cheap. It, the, the player has incredible potential. Uh, he'll suit Vincenzo Italiano's style of play. Yeah. It just ticks every box. Um, I, I think it's a, such a smart signing in every sense of the word. I'm so, so impressed. Why were more, more teams not in for this guy? I mean, we know Juventus, we had Romeo Agresti on. We know Juventus were in talks with Empoli, but the problem the problem Juventus have is they have too <coughs> many too many players at left wing back. They needed to shift some. You know, they had mm. four players that could play left wing back. They had to get rid of someone. And obviously, they haven't been able to do that in time. And Fiorentina have come in and they've closed the deal. Um, but Juventus aside, I mean, for me, this is someone that if you're thinking, right, 
we want a left back for the next five to ten years. I mean, Parisi for me. I mean, I'm, I'm I not don't just understand in Italy. Why you not just in Italy. Him. I'm looking Premier League. I think he fits the Premier League perfectly. He's lightning quick. He's so got stamina. He goes up and down. He can defend. He can. I mean, he's got every. For me, he's complete. For me, for me I mean, he's got everything. Um, the only thing is maybe aerially, aerially, yeah, aerially yeah, is something, yeah. But apart from that, I mean, oh, I think he's absolutely fantastic. No, it, it's a smart signing for sure. Um, it's a very intelligent signing. It's it's buying. It's a player who suits the coach perfectly. Um, I'm very very impressed with what they've done here. Uh, and if they get Artur Melo as well on the lead deal where Juventus will pay half his wages, I don't even know. I don't know what to tell you, brother. Like that is, uh, that is no, no, so yeah, smart. That, would be, that would be an interesting one. He's he's definitely an Italiano player. The problem is with Artur Melo is he's barely played any football for two years. So, you know, it's, uh, it's not going to be easy to, to turn that around. But if there is somebody that can, I think it's Italiano. I think definitely he's got the, the attributes to be a an Italiano player, the way that he likes to break the press. But uh, yeah, it's been a good start to the summer for for Fiorentina. Um, no, it's right, been a fantastic we'll, start to the to the summer and we're going to do a proper deep dive on them as well and what they yeah, do. Yeah, and we'll like. do a proper deep dive on Lazio hopefully next week. So all yeah. I will say on this is that Lazio are set to sign Valentin Castellanos uh, from New York City <clears throat> uh, FC. Um, quite a lot of money, actually. They're going to pay 15 plus 5, 20 million euros in total for for Castellanos. He scored 13 goals in La Liga last season for Girona uh, on loan from from New York. Um, he could potentially replace Immobile, who has received a huge bid from Saudi Arabia, from, from Saudi Arabia, three-year contract, 20 million a year, 60 million in total. Um, Lotito has said that, denied this and said that he wouldn't sell Immobile um, even for 50 million, or they would need at least 50 million to attempt. But I guess that's one to... To watch this space, there's going to be a lot of uh, crazy Saudi offers. Um, right, just before we get on to Badger and Prem Face of the Week, um, just have to congratulate and celebrate Italy under-19s winning Euro 2023. Um, they beat Portugal 1-0 in the final uh, after beating Spain 3-2 in a, in a fantastic semi-final. Um, I watched I watched these games um, and it was fully deserved from Italy. Italy fully deserved champions, uh, European champions. They were absolutely fantastic. Um, t- dominated Portugal in the first half. Uh, Portugal put them under a bit more pressure in the second half, but Italy defended really well. They, they should have scored more. They created lots of chances. Um, the winner was scored by Michael Cayode, who's another Fiorentina player, um, Who's a right back, but played on the right wing um, in the in the knockouts, um, and he was a force of nature down the right, and he scored with a header, very very impressive. But the two players, the two really small little players who who really impressed me uh, in the semis in the final were uh, Samuele Vignato, who plays for Monza, and he's mm. been somebody that's been spoken about really quite like highly. Him. I yeah, really like he's him. He's a really short kind of Papu Gomez kind of player. I think it's the, the, the way to describe him. Really short, but Fantastic, like little turn of speed, uh, great little dribbler, can go right and left, um, very inventive, dribbler, creative. Um, but also a Juventus uh, youth player, Luis Hassa, who's um, who's of an Albanian heritage. And he got the assist in the final. 
and um, he struggled a bit in the in the group stage uh, playing up front and then was moved into centre midfield and he was really, really good. And these two, they were running the show. They're, they're link up. They're really short kind of Spanish style kind of players. Um, fantastic. And um, Mastro Antonio, the goalkeeper from Roma, he was very, very commanding. Um, the De La, there was the De La Valles, uh, the one place for Juventus, one place for Torino, um, born uh, a few weeks apart from each other. Um, they're not brothers. I believe they're cousins, but somebody correct me if I'm if I'm wrong there. Um, uh, they were re- they were very very good. Um, and um, Esposito, the centre forward from Inter, tall yes. centre forward, holds the ball up really well. He's a year younger than everyone. Uh, he holds the ball up really well. He he looks like um, yeah somebody to watch out for in the future. Uh, and that's before we even talk about the the so called star of the team. Mm. Um, the big name of the team, Cher Undur, who's just signed for PSG, has been likened to. We have to, to be honest. In, in you know Italy, we you know you've been very critical of how Italians handle young players, and and I think quite rightly so to some extent. But look at this summer, final of the Under Twenty Three World Cup. Uh, win, yeah, Under Twenty. Sorry, yeah. Under Twenty One Euros. We know the quality of the players there. We know why they failed. It's because the coach mm. isn't good enough and hasn't been for twenty years. Mm. But the quality is there if you look at the players. You look at the under nineteens. It the, the, there is at youth level. Italy is is doing really well. No, we've had a good summer. We've had we've had a, well, we've had a, we've had a great summer in terms of the under nineteens and under twenties. Um, yeah, and, it's and the under twenty one shows that we can produce. That. Yeah, it shows that we can produce players. Um, yeah. but we know what the issue is, Nima, don't we? It's the pathway from here into senior football. We know that is the problem. With but that's football. always the problem everywhere. Like It's a you know, problem it's in Italy just... more than anywhere else. You just look at the stats and the number of youth players mm. that play in Italy is, is the bottom of the league, is bottom of, the, of Europe. You know, this is the problem. We need to be, there needs to be a pathway for these guys to be playing Serie A, to be playing, you know, at the top level. Um, and that, is what we cannot throw away this because, you know, we, they've shown there's players here that have got potential. I mean, I look at this under-19 team and I look at players like Vignato and Hassa, who technically, they've got it. They've got the technique. They've got the technical qualities to make it, but they need to be, you know, integrated into... I mean, Hassa's not going to make it under, with Allegri. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Um, you know, they've got to be playing in the right teams with the right coaches, the right setup. The pathway needs to be there. So I just want... These guys to start playing, um, and I hope, I hope they do. I hope they no, do. absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, no, it's 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 really it's it's looking good. I mean, the youth growth in terms of in international competition, whether it be global or just in Europe, under nineteen, under twenty ones, under twenty, you know, under twenty three, twenties. It looks it's looking good. It's looking really good, and it's looking good for the first time in a very long time. And I'm, I'm actually pretty up, uplift. I'm positive about it. I just need to. We just need to see, um, like you said, to get these guys into the Serie A. Yeah, exactly. That, that's the key. Um, okay, right. Let's go on to Badjo and Prem Face of the Week. Right, Badjo, we've already done. It's the the Italy under 19s and, and it's had- also Deli Ali. I cannot. Yeah. Like I, you have to watch that interview. Um, what what he's gone through, and 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 you could tell when he was speaking about it so openly. He's still dealing with these issues, 
And I think it's so important that he, because the people are, you know, when they don't know, people love to judge a lot. And, and he's, he, his, him speaking so frankly about the incredibly traumatic childhood that he had up until the age of 12. Um, and it doesn't just magically disappear then either. And, and then trying to find who you are and, and, and to deal with that trauma mm. that you suffered as a child and to try to, at the same time, go through puberty. And at the same time, I, you know, you know, you're a footballer with the eyes of the media always on you. I think, you know, wow, what he did was fantastic. Yeah, very brave, very brave. Very brave and important. Very very important, important, yeah, because unfortunately this is what happens with uh, victims of of child abuse, um, is this is something that, that unfortunately with a vast, vast majority of, of, of children who are abused into adulthood, it never goes away. It, it's with them for the rest of their lives. And that's why I personally think it's the most evil thing that you can do on this planet is to abuse a child. Because when you abuse a child, it's, you know, uh, I've, I've seen it to people that I know, <laughs> you know, it, 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 it stays with you forever uh, and you're damaged, you know, and that's what that's, for use of a better word, you know, and unfortunately that, that's that's what's happened with Deli Ali. And it's very, very sad. And you can see watching that interview how much he suffered and how much he's still suffering. Uh and this this is what happened. And it's pure evil. Um but there's more to it as and well. It's a, I mean, and it's a worldwide it's a worldwide uh problem. You know, more that the, if you look at the numbers of children who are abused or go missing, be it from the care system or just in general it's absolutely off the scales and not enough is done about it. You never see it talked about uh, in the, in the news uh, at all. Uh, It's just, it's something that just isn't dealt with. uh, And yeah, I mean, it's uh, all all the love in the world to, to No, it's just not, not just that. I mean, look, this is a, someone who grew up in a very broken home, Uh, a father who he absolutely has no relationship with, who, did he, you know, who he, he, when he was sent to live with the, the relationship was obviously not working. He didn't, he didn't, he wasn't, he didn't, he wasn't the present father that he needed. His mother was an alcoholic and he's very keen to talk about how he doesn't blame her because she was, you know, she's, she has an illness. Alcoholism is an illness. Substance abuse is a, is, is a health issue. Um, and, and, you know, growing up the way he did, he didn't have any lines, any, any, any anyone to raise him he was raised on his own you know he he talked mm-hmm. about having a key and coming and going as he wanted no no one telling him when he needed to go to bed when he he had no structure in his life up until the age of 12 selling drugs yeah. as a result of that at the age of you know 8 have almost been killed by someone an adult be, you know at the at the estate next to him holding him off a bridge when he was i mean we're talking you know that's just some of the things that he decided to share you know, his, his life story is, it's not just the sexual abuse, although that is part of it, but it's it's all of it together. He is, he is incredibly traumatized. A lot of people have grown up like that. And I think, I think it's so important that he talks about this. If he can, like he said himself, I want people, I want to help someone, if I can, to seek help, to deal with the trauma and heal. Because this, these, these, this is a lot of trauma. And like, and like he so correctly said, trauma psychological trauma it leaves a mark on your body as well and it's not just you know it's not just mental and and you have to heal and i and i really want to commend him for the honest 
way, the the vulnerable way that he spoke about it. And I think I just wish nothing but, you know, love, respect, and solidarity with people who, with, with all victims of all sorts of childhood abuse, be it sexual or otherwise. And I think yeah, he's, he's such a and brave needs, person. And more needs to be done to, to help um, mm. these people, um, mm. but also to stop it from happening. And that, yeah, is, the big, that is the big thing because, mm. because nothing is done. So, so mm. nothing is done. In fact, you know, it's just, just, you know, without going off on too much of a tangent, you just look at the Epstein, Epstein case, for example, mm. what was done mm. on that Epstein Island and not a single person that was, uh, th- and these are, these are all high society, mm-hmm. uh, elite people, not a single person, client of Epstein has been arrested since that happened. Mm. And that tells you everything about, about how it's, not only is nothing done about it, it's covered up. <laughs> so, you know, this is unfortunately, and that's just one strand of it, you know, unfortunately, you know, it's, it's not dealt no. with. And you never no. see this stuff on the news, which is why you, you don't. They're never, it's never on the news. You I know? mean, no, no, no. But it's like, this is, this is really something that is, is a problem everywhere. And, and, and on this kind of, you know, oh, these, global, so, these, yeah, social, these socioeconomic, you know, a lot of this stuff. Well, the vulnerable, stems... the vulnerable people, the vulnerable kids are the, like Delhi Alley, because yeah. they grew up in an environment like that. They are the ones that yeah. are the ones that, that are the victims of this kind of abuse yeah. and this kind of upbringing, yeah. because, because they are vulnerable. They don't have, you know, and then the people that, those that grew up in the care system, and he ended up going into the care system. Yeah. Didn't, he, well, didn't he have a foster? He, he did, and he parent. said he's, so he was, was lucky, fortunate. but he was he got, lucky. Yeah, yeah he, he was said fortunate. The... So he got a good foster parent. Some don't. Mm. Some get bad foster parents. Some grew up in care homes. So many kids go missing from care homes. But yeah. They get taken out of care homes. They disappear. They never hear from them again. And they get used for 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 all this kind of abuse and 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 trafficking and you know, because they're, they're, they're easy, they're easily taken. So it's, it's a real messed up, it's a horrible messed up system. It just goes to show that, you know, yeah. having, growing up in a family, a loving family is, is something that you just, you know, you can't, mm. you, you can't take for granted. If, you, if no, you're lucky no, you enough, really can't. if you're lucky enough to have a family that loves you yeah. and parents that look after you or, yeah. or, or guardians that look after you, whoever this, you grow up with. And this day and age. That's the, that's the only yeah. thing, that's the, that, I mean, it's a gift. It really is because there's so many, like Delhi Alley that, that grew up in a, yep. you know, and, and, and in the horrific conditions. And, yeah. and, and the triggers and just, as well, because he's going to have lots of triggers, isn't he? That will set him off. And I think he yeah. said, didn't he, about when Mourinho yeah. left, he felt like it, not Mourinho, um, Pochettino left. He yeah. felt like, like he, he was abandoned again. Yeah, yeah. And that was a trigger uh, for him. Yeah. And, you know, this yeah. happens a lot with abuse victims. There. Because it's not been, because he, because he's not dealt with it, but now he's starting to deal with it. And I think, and and I just want to. It's an ongoing you know, struggle. It's something that he will be. Unfortunately, he will be fighting for the rest of his life. Yeah. And it's just going to be how he can try and deal with it. Yeah, um, as much as he can. No, and try and. No, it's, you know, it's, it's always going to be there. Unfortunately, yeah, which is yeah, why it's so yeah. evil. Because this kind of stuff, yeah. it's like a life. It's yeah. like a life sentence for the yeah. victims. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. Anyway, um, prem face of the week. Now I'm going to combine this. Um, so just to end on a on a on a lighter note. Um, so I've gone for the official MLS Twitter account. How is that we, real? We thought the Serie A Twitter account was bad. Uh, How is this real? How this is, did this happen? I, I don't know. I don't know. So Sergio Busquets signed for into Miami uh, on Sunday evening, but they put a picture, of, <laughs> they put a picture of Alvaro Arbeloa. Um, 
<laughs> so, welcome to, uh, to to MLS. <laughs> Brilliant. Absolutely love it. Yeah. So that's my that's my uh, prem face yeah, of the week. Yeah, that stays without a doubt the prem face of the week. Yeah. Uh, but that fits in nicely um, because I, I put out, uh, we, we discussed this on uh, the show last week, didn't we? Saying that mm. we want a name. We want to come up with a name, like coin a term for the American version of a prem face. So it has to be someone who who is a prem face, um, but a kind of an Americanized version. So we asked our, our listeners to, 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 to send in some suggestions. And I, I put out a tweet on over the weekend asking for some suggestions. I've had so many uh, hilarious suggestions. So I'm just getting my, um, my, my post up now. Now, my, my two favorite ones, uh, let me put it in here for you, Nima, so you can have a little look while we're, while we're talking. Um, so my two favorite ones are Yanka, of the, of the yeah, week. I like that one too. That one, was, that one was my favorite too. Was that your favorite one? So that was sent in by. Um, let me find it, just so that I can give credit where it's due. So Rajat, who I believe is a yeah. patron. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Rajat at Rajat fifteen is his, is his Twitter handle. Yanka so, is really funny. Yeah, Yanka is really good. My only issue with Yanka is that what is the beauty of Premface is that it's got the prem in the, the actual name as well. And then yeah. the face just makes it look like a, just a stupid face, kind of like, so you're a prem face. Whereas Yanka is kind of, there's no Premier League reference to it. It's just kind of like a play on words. So that's my only issue with that, but otherwise it's fantastic. Um, and then Dan Edwards, uh, Danny Edwards, Daniel Edwards is an Argentine football journalist. We had him on the show a few weeks back. He did a profile on Matteo Retigui. I really like this. He, he come up with, Prem LS face, <laughs> which I really, really liked as well. So those are my two favourites. Um, I don't know if there's anything else. I mean, well, I'll read out. We had the Lalas Awards. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> someone should say we should call that. Yeah. Uh, Eduardo uh, Beto, who's a patron, said that. Mm. Um, a Yank, Dan, someone called Dan also said Yanker on, on Patreon. Mm. Shout out to him. Um, yeah. Andre says, Uncle Sam Stupid. Yank Baller, um, Arash said Crackpot of the Week, Dunderhead, uh, Max Lombardi says American Jock Face, <laughs> Kunal Sony said Sock Face, <laughs> I quite like that one. This one I like, the Lebron of Soccer, which is quite a good one. Um, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but down. yeah, I think a Yanka was my. F- I, I think that is the winner right there. Like, I think that is so good. Yanka is so so. Yankee good. Doodle Dummy. Yeah, people have gone crazy. On Yankas, shit face. Yeah, yeah. I think my my two favourites are Yanka and Premier face. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, we will be using those going forward whenever any Americans or whenever anybody on ESPN FC says something stupid, we'll. we'll We'll call them a Yanka or yeah, Premier Les Space. <laughs> okay, right, brilliant. Right, let's leave it at that. Uh, lot to, we went through a lot today. It was a, quite a lot to talk about. Um, really yeah, we'll be back on Tuesday for the Q and A, uh, and then Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday for uh, uh, our latest transfer mercato deep dive on Roma. Yeah, with Andrea with, Di Carlo from Il Romanista and Radio Romanista web. Yeah, there we go. So make sure to check that out. It's all out on patreoncom TIFB. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Okay. Right. Have a good week, everyone. We'll see you on Tuesday. Until then, ciao, ciao.